Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. to the Lord 700 head of cattle and 7,000 sheep and goats from the plunder that they brought back. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord. And so, in other words, they decided that they would make a contract with each other to seek God together. We're all going to do it, is what they said. We are all going to seek the Lord. What would happen if our entire nation sought the Lord? Can you even imagine that? At one time, I think we did. But what, what if we were bring that back? What if it happened? My goodness. And the covenant was that they would seek the Lord, the God of their forefathers, with all their heart and soul. In other words, you can't just say, I'm going to do it. You've got to seek him how? Completely. And all who would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, were to be put to death, whether small or great, man or woman. <laughs> Oops. You're like, is that really in there? Yeah, it really is. They really did it. They took an oath to the Lord with loud acclamation, with shouting, with trumpets and horns, and all Judah rejoiced about the oath because they had sworn it wholeheartedly. In other words, everybody was behind it. Everybody was in it. And now, now this is just about seeking the Lord here. And so they sought the Lord e eagerly. They were excited about seeking Him. And they put everything else aside or second, or third, or fourth to seeking him. That's what they did. Did you grasp that? You're thinking, you could probably quit right there. We get it. I don't think you do. Because our nation doesn't. And guess what happened? And he was found by them. And so the Lord gave them rest on every side. They sought him as a people. Everybody was eager to it. They wanted to, and they did it, and they found him, right? And the Lord gave them rest on every side. Friends, I need rest on every side because I'm pooed out. Anybody with me? I'm tired of the tax. I'm tired of the backbiting. I'm tired of the general rift. I'm tired of the unrest that we have. I'm tired of the garbage This floated like a cloud over this nation. Anybody sick of that? Are you? <coughs> well, you're in the right place today then. Anybody in a God-believing, Christ-centered church today is in the right place. Amen? Because that's where you're going to find your rest. And if the rest of the nation won't do it, the church needs to. And so I began to think about it, and I thought, do you really like that last sentence? And I do like it. I love that sentence, in fact. But how did it happen? 
I think it's safe to say that they were blessed by the Lord, just like the USA was blessed in her early days. But the truth is, I am concerned for my kids and my grandchildren. And when I consider how this country has turned its back on God for the last 15 years or so, and it has, when there are more non-Christians, non-believers, unbelievers, than there are Christians, I would say we have. I wonder now if we can even get there. Because everything is speeding up. It seems like it, it, it was slowly getting there, and then all of a sudden it like sped up and woof, we, we, we came there. Really. And I, I guess it's about 15, 17 years, something like that. Okay? And the more I thought about it, I considered a few other things. Some will claim that we are still under God's blessing. Yes. Maybe we are to a point. Because when we're not, then you're going to know. But it's safe to say that we aren't nearly as blessed by him as we once were. Could anybody say that? Would anybody believe that? And so in light of that, I say that we are still desperately in need of God's blessing. What do you say? Now, notice the reasons why both of these things are true, that we're in need of God's blessing and we're not nearly as blessed as we once were. Why is this true? First of all, we got to look at the conditions to having God's blessing. And we saw them right here. Asa was told. And although we don't ever want to admit it, God has conditions that he places upon us. Now, yes, it's true that God does love people unconditionally. I get that. But his blessings are conditional. In fact, the Bible says he blesses those he loves. And in that degree, what he's saying is those who are committed to him, those who love him. Because people can say they love God, but that doesn't mean they really do. Because the Bible also says that if you love him, you will obey his commands. Agreed? So we, we can't just say, well, God loves all people. Yeah, he does. But the scripture is clear that the blessings of a child of God <laughs> are very different. And that's what we're looking for. There are at least three conditions of his blessings that I'm aware of. And clearly it's right here. The Lord is with you when you are with him. When you get with God, he will get with you. That's, our, that's a modern day cliche. We want, we want to meet up with somebody, we say get with somebody. Okay? Maybe that's starting to fade away a little bit, I don't know. They seem to change every day. Uh, but the fact is, when you get with God, he'll get with you. How about that? I kind of like that. You like that? Get with God, he'll get with you. We sometimes say, get with the program. Well, okay, let's take it to heart then. Beth was just saying to me this morning, after reading a psalm from David, that it seems that we run to God when things are tough. But not so much when they aren't. We seem to ignore him. Now, we may not, again, might not want to hear it. But it still is God's word. And the fact is, God will only bless us when we honor and obey him. That's what he's saying. Secondly, if you seek God, then is when he will be found by you. Right? Isn't that what the Bible tells us? I once read uh, that Soviet, uh, Soviet cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin, their first human in space, said, I saw God nowhere. I think about that for a second. 
Have you ever wondered why we don't see God's hand in our lives, in our church, and in our nation sometimes? Have you ever wondered why? I saw God nowhere. And then the second human in space was American astronaut Alan Shepard, and he said, I saw God everywhere. <laughs> what a difference. The moral is if we seek God, why? Because he's available. Thirdly, if you abandon God, then he will simply allow you to choose your own way. Did you know that? If you abandon God, he will allow you to choose your own way. Now, I think this blows a hole in all of our wishful thinking because surely if God is a God of love, he will never abandon you. Well, again, then you've misinterpreted the scripture. But Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. And then he said, I'm the only way to the Father. And then beyond that, he said, I will never leave or forsake you, but only if you belong to me. Only if you belong to me. It's funny, if we look back, it seems like when we don't seek God, it means we don't belong to him. But when we do, we want to belong to him doesn't work that way. Either you belong to him all the time or you don't. Do you agree with that? Either you belong or you don't. And the fact is, God will never leave you, but he will allow you to leave him. And we have. It's a choice, and sadly, many have forsaken him. I think a a second thing we have to look at beyond the conditions are the consequences without God's blessings. Have you thought about the consequences we might have? Let's look at the pa what the passage tells us. The consequences are very clear and costly, and by the way, they parallel uh, the U.S. Uh, incredibly so. It's very striking. Uh, notice that the land that he's talking about was filled with chaos. <laughs> I think our land is filled with chaos. And the Scripture tells us that there was no teaching from the priests or no law. So everybody just kind of did whatever they wanted. It's been floated in our nation in the last six months that we should defund law enforcement. Yes or no? Friends, do you see the mirror here? Seeing it? Here's the thing. When there's no teaching right from wrong, everybody is free to do whatever's right in their own eyes in their own minds. And that's dangerous because I'm seeing right now it's going to get us into a world hurt. If there's no teaching going on, there's no laws being promoted, and again, everybody does what's right in their own mind. And you, let's face it, a lot of people's minds aren't right. You know why? And, and I'm not trying to say there are people that are, are, you know, mentally challenged. There are some, but here's the deal. Most of the time, they're not in leadership. So the people that are changing these things and do what they think is right are our leaders, and they're very sound in their minds. And that means it's a choice to do this. That means either God's got a hold of them or Satan does. And if God gets a hold of them, they're going to do what's right based on what God says is right. And if God doesn't have a hold of them, whether they know it or not, Satan does. There's no middle of the road here. 
Either God's got you or Satan does. In fact, the Bible says good and evil cannot coexist. Okay? It further says you can't serve two masters. He's talking about money there. But the fact is you're going to love one and hate the other. And that's true. So who do you serve? Joshua even told his life, choose this day who you'll serve. Okay? And if you're not serving God, you are serving Satan. And people are going to say, no, 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 no. And God's saying, well, <laughs> you can say no all you want, but you are. And you can see a serious difference between the one that's serving God and the one that isn't. The one that isn't will serve self, and that's Satan. And when you serve self, it's evident. And friends, this is the key. And so the land becomes filled with chaos. And so when this happens, at least confusion. And then the chaos abounds. And I began to look around America today, and I thought people confused about the most foundational issues. And this chaos now exists about what's right and wrong. We're actually having to consider what's right and what's wrong. It used to be everybody just knew. What's happened? Chaos, my friends, is always progressive. Always. And it leads me to the next point. Our land is filled with now conflict. In Asa's Judah, there was no peace. And today, conflict rages from house to house. And from the house to the schoolhouse. And from the schoolhouse to the White House. Doesn't it? Everybody is affected by chaos. Everybody's affected by confusion when either one of them are present. Yes or no? Okay? When we began moving God from our schools, you see, we can track the beginnings of this in, in our nation. We began removing God from our schools, from our government, and from public places. And when we actually fought in the courts of whether or not they should actually be there or not, this is when it began, you see. This is where the conflict started. In fact, over the last 40 years plus, it's grown to where Another point, the land is filled with corruption. When you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. How true is that? Now, do we all always do the right thing? Probably not. And sometimes it's hard to know what's right and what's not. Uh, but by and large, I think morally, most of us know the right. You know how I know? Because we're created that way. And see, we have this sinful nature within us that argues with our own sense of known right. Hmm? And here's what we'll do. We will either say we didn't know to justify it, or we'll give an excuse in order to justify it, or we'll defend our position and still give an excuse. But corruption just doesn't go away. Once it takes root, it's there until you root it out. Verse 3 says that for many years, Israel, meaning the people of God, had been without a true God. And I'm starting to wonder now if we haven't gotten the second status, which is a true God. Is it that uh, we're completely hostile toward God yet, but the people who are God believers are starting to not have a true one? That's the second stage before total rejection. 
Because when you don't follow the true God, you're following a false God. And sometimes it's yourself. Sometimes it's your government. Sometimes it's other people. Sometimes it's your own brand of Christianity that you cooked up. And Lord knows we're doing that. But when you don't follow the true God, all of a sudden, this isn't really that important to you anymore. Or you'll pick and choose verses and passages that seem to support what you want to think and believe. Now, tell me that's not happening. When God says something is wrong and you shall not do it, that's what it means. It doesn't mean go look at something else that God said and say, well, but God says to love everybody. Yeah, but that doesn't mean love them in their sin. Okay? You love them, but not what they're doing. Agreed? That's what we have to do. But somehow it's been reversed. Well, if you don't agree with what they're doing, then you don't love them. Isn't that being said? In fact, you're a hater or a bigot. Since when? You see, this, this is all Satan. Because the confusion has now turned into corruption. You see? So now it becomes the way of life. And what this means is that society has no God and the modern church doesn't have the real and true God either. Now, friends, corruption comes when there is no God. And the result of this is devastating for a nation because without God, there isn't much the next generation for the next generation except more of what we've had in recent months. It's just going to continue to snowball. If we really think we're going to turn this around without God, you're sadly mistaken. You can't do it. It can't be done, and it won't be done. Because God is the moral standard. Always has been. And when you throw out the standard, you'll make a new one. Yours. And we've made a lot of them. And it, it kind of, remember that sliding scale, it kind of changes based on what you want at that particular moment. Because I remember a time in this nation where certain television shows and video games wouldn't have been available. Because nobody would have created them. In fact, if it came on television, it would be taken off pretty quick. And people hid that stuff from others. So they didn't want anybody to know they were doing it. Whatever it was. The practice of it. And now it's like, here I'm doing it. Now say something about it. Challenge me on that. Because that's what I want to do. Well, yeah, okay. But you understand, that's is exactly what happened to the Roman government. And you know where that got them. But I was clear about that too. So I'm starting to think, we got a problem. Now, considering the consequences of being without God's blessings, you got to take one more look around the United States and see the reality of our situation. Are you ready? Today we kill the unborn at an alarming rate. An alarming rate. And we call it choice. The unborn didn't get the choice. What choice did the unborn get? What are you talking about here? So it's good for you, but not them? How do you do that? You see, this is self-centeredness. This is Satan. That's all it is. And now listen, I'm not, you know, I, I love animals. I think animals are wonderful. I think dogs are good companions. I think some people have pets that ought not be in their house, you know. But people have, listen, I get it. But friends, my observation is that animals get more protection from the law and society than an unborn human does. God doesn't do that. This is just simply a fact. 
In September of last year, a man in Connecticut was jailed and fined for killing a bear that was threatening his dog in his own backyard. A bear came into man's backyard. And so he shot the dog, or he shot the bear. Uh, uh, he tried to just because it wouldn't go away, and he hit. He did, he shot it in a manner, hoping it would. Just, and, and he shot it in rear end, uh, and hoping it would stay because it would run around and come back. And kept circling, and so he shot it in rear end and ran off. And so that's what he was after. And he called Fish and Wildlife and said, "Hey, I had a bear in my backyard, and it kept circling me and menacing my dog and growling. And so I shot it in, in the buttocks. That's what he said. Shot it in rear end, and it took off. And so come to find out that it pierced a rib and the bear died." And so you know what happened? They jailed him and fined him. And this is what they said. Well, it's illegal to shoot a bear unless you're in imminent danger of being killed by the bear. And I began to think about that for a second. The bear was in my backyard. It would not go away. And you're telling me that I need to get, let it get close enough to find out what its intentions are. Pinch me, please. Now, that's just one instance, okay? I don't think I'd let the bear get that close to find out, personally. But anyway, and then, and then, and then, okay, so then we go another direction. We view violence in video games and on television or wherever it is, and it gives those playing and watching this calloused view of what life and death is. And so what's happened is that uh, the value of human life has been like minuscule. It's like down to nothing. And that's why people are so free to go into places, public places, or post offices where it started and other places and start shooting people in schools, what have you. Because we devalued human life. And when you allow people to have an abortion on demand like that, that's what you're doing. You're devaluing human life. And so because you are, because it's not important anymore, because they don't see it as a human, you see. And I, brother, I could stand on, on this for hours and talk about that. The hypocrisy of that. And I'll say this. And I've said it before. There are 50 states in the union. All 50 have laws on the books. 48 of them are automatic. If you murder, or if it's been deemed that you murdered a woman who's with child, it's double homicide right now. No questions asked. Double homicide. Now, wait a minute. What are we charging double homicide for? You see? This is, and this, you know what's happening, and I don't want to focus on that. I want to say is, this is the mindset that's taken over. That's the mindset. You can, you can go back to the origins. Where did it start? By taking God out of things. Because we don't look at human life the way God does anymore. We used to, but we don't anymore. Unless it pertains to us, of course. Self-preservation is a big thing. You understand what I'm saying here? This is where we're going. And friends, I have to tell you, we live now in a nation, in a culture that's so vile that we actually have to register sex offenders. Used to be, people knew better than that. Or, perhaps we didn't do a very good job exposing it. But when you open up this sexual preference stuff, this sort of thing is going to rock it. And it already is. It's a fact. You, you, be a naysayer all you want. I'm telling you, this is where we're going. And this Christian nation, and I'm not being nasty. I'm simply saying, I'm stating facts here. 
This Christian nation just elected a president and vice president whose views of the Bible are questionable at very best. Now, I'm not going to say the one before wasn't questionable too. I'm not saying that. And the one before him was even more questionable. All I'm saying is that when we don't have godly leadership, we have a problem. And I mean a leader that says it. And our vice president has been so completely hostile toward anything Christian. I'm, this, I'm just saying. So when you vote for a person, you have to look at the whole ticket, not just part of it. Friends, the cost of walking away from God is just too high. It's just too high. And so now you're convinced and you say, okay, so what should we do? Well, what was done in Judah? We are a country in need. But what do we need? So let's take a look at the way to God's blessings. How do we get God's blessings? If we're going to experience God's blessings once again, we need to learn two things. First of all, got to have godly people. Got to have godly people. It seems to me that the people of Judah were very grateful for a leader who would step forward and give this fresh leadership grounded in the Father. They became godly in their attitudes and particularly in their actions. Notice that they recognized their corruption. They recognized and realized that they weren't what they thought they were, that they were struggling. And so they came with a mind and a heart to worship God and Him alone. And if they hadn't done that, if they hadn't sacrificed portions of their life to go do that, none of this would have taken place. And Satan wants to keep people in our nation so busy that we don't have time to go worship God. And don't think he hasn't used COVID to do it. Because pastors are being told everywhere, and we talk about this, don't we, Bob? Every, every Tuesday morning, pastors are struggling to get people back into church because now they've tasted what it's like to wear their jammies and drink coffee while they watch it. Now, if you have legitimate reasons for staying home and watching, I get it. I'm, I'm not against that. But when you do it because it's more preferable to you? I'll tell you something. The Bible has something to say about that. Now you've lost your Christian fellowship. And all you'll do is sit there and get angry and upset that nobody's called you. That's who we are. It's happening. Every pastor out there will tell you that's happening. Well, I was gone for so many weeks and you never called. Why weren't you there? Well, you know, and there's a, there's a pause. But they'll always blame COVID or something else. Friends, I'm not, I'm not telling you what you should do. I'm just simply saying, whenever you reject God, whenever you stay away from his sanctuary, whenever you don't hang out with his fellowship of people, you're in danger of becoming something else. And it's happening. That's just a, that's just a fact. And that's just a starting point. So what else did they do? Well, they responded, and they made this covenant, a contract based on law, okay? But yet God's law is a covenant based on love for us. You, you understand? It isn't that God is forcing you to change or do things. He's saying, I love you, and if you love me back, you'll trust me to know what's best for you even when you can't see it. That's, that's love. And I'm grateful that people protected me out of love when I thought I wanted something else. Anybody? You see? This is the point. 
when people come to realize their condition, that they're, they're, your condition is impacting your family and your futures, these people responded to God and they carried it to the next level. And that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to say like they did, I'm going to seek the Lord with all my mind and all my strength. And you can't say I'm going to seek the Lord or I am seeking the Lord with all my mind and strength when the Lord gets very little of your time any, day, any part of the day. You can't. You just can't. And again, I'm not, I'm not going to bust your chops or tell you what you should or shouldn't do. But when you come here Sunday morning and that's it, I'm telling you that's not enough. It's just not. There are other th Bible studies and things available to you to be part of God's fellowship and to take in more things. Again, when you seek God, he'll be found. Come near to God, he'll come near to you. So what are you doing? I know you're busy, but so am I. Well, this is your job. <laughs> Even when it wasn't, I did it. Okay. And you know what I found? I was much better with it than I was without it. Just saying. Anybody contest to that? Would you say you are? Who, who in the last year or so has made a commitment to come more than just once a week? And what's it done for you? What's it done for you? Are you worse off? Any of you? No, no, surely somebody's worse off. No? Hmm. Just a thought. Because I know I've done it. And I made every excuse there was. Every excuse you've made, I made them. And sometimes you are too busy. I get it. But friends, who are you serving? And what are your children learning? To do exactly what you're doing. You see where this goes? It just keeps, it just keeps drawing out. It keeps drawing out. And this requires a commitment, because that's what they gave, is a commitment. They were so grateful to the Lord that it, was, it wasn't even enough to take an oath themselves. As part of this agreement, they instituted a no-tolerance policy for those who would not seek God. Now, I, I don't suppose we're going to do that. But, but you know what I'm saying here. You see the difference. Capital punishment for those who refused. That's how important it was to them. And when God came in amongst them, they rejoiced in being corrected. I don't know very many people that rejoice in being corrected. <laughs> right? We just, we're just not. We're, 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 we're upset that we're being corrected. But they rejoiced in it. And the Bible gives us a picture of a worship service. Can you hear this service? The Bible says there was a loud voice, everybody, shouting at the top of their lungs and their voices. Trumpets playing, the ram horns being fluted. They wanted everybody to hear that they were worshiping him. Why? And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire. And he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest on every side. They rested in their connection. And this is where we have to begin. The Lord gave them rest, and in his presence, there is fullness of joy, there's love, there's peace, there's contentment, affirmation, all the things you seek, they're there. This goes on. So we need godly people. Secondly, we, here we go again, we need godly leaders. God have godly leaders. There are several phrases in the scripture which leads me to believe that King Asa was a very godly leader. And if you study it, I'm sure you'll believe in that. And so uh, I could, there's scripture here, I could talk about it, but he led with courage because... <laughs> Realizing that things are, have gone awry, 
and changing your ways and then stepping up to lead people who want to go the other direction is a, is a, is a courageous thing to do. You know, every politician I've ever known finds out what most people want and tries to become that even if they're not. Why? Be elected. I was for it until I was against it. Flip-flop, right? Have we heard that before? Listen, it happens on both sides. You know it does. And that's why I wouldn't be a very good politician. You know? I don't know if any of you would be a very good politician. Some of you might be real good. You know? Because it depends on how you define a politician. Sometimes we define politician this way and sometimes it's this way. But I'll tell you what we mostly define about what they've done for us. That's how we define our politicians. Am I right or wrong? What do you think? You see? But Asa did a few things. He removed the idols. You, you give me a president that will remove the idols from our nation, and I'll be a happy camper. But he's going to be hated, or she's going to be hated. I'm telling you right now. Oh, my goodness. They're going to be hated. In this country, we place many things before God. Anything that comes before God is an idol. You understand that? Are you telling me my children? Yes, I am. My spouse? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Because the Bible says it. Well, I don't understand that. What kind of God would do that? A God that knows what's best for you. Yes or no? It's easy to do, isn't it? You mean I got to put God before my job? Yeah, he's the one who gave it to you. Before my money? Especially. Now, come on. See, we'll sit in here and, and, and agree on Sunday morning, but we'll go out and practice something else tomorrow. I know that because it happens all the time. And I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm, and no, I don't have, I, I can't even see you, so I don't even know who's, who's doing it. I have nobody in mind, okay? I'm just telling you, I know how easy it is for me to do it. Anybody agree? It's easy to do, you know? Because the squeaky wheel gets oil. And God's the last person we go to, the last thing we go to, oftentimes. In this country, again, we go into the voting booth and we vote our pocketbook instead of biblical principles. I'm telling you right now. For popularity instead of biblical principles. I'm telling you, we do it. I know we do it. And I know for a positive fact that lifelong deep friendships are more important to people than putting a Christian in office. I know for a fact. I've asked people straight up, would you vote for a uh, uh, a secular friend or somebody you grew up with, or would you vote for a, uh, a strong Christian or a pastor at the poll? Well, I'd probably vote for the person I know. Mm -hmm. Sure you would. Should you? Well, <laughs> all I'm saying is we're not going to get godly leaders if we don't put Christians in office. Okay? So you do what you want. I'm just telling you there are consequences. Just saying. And so either you believe in Christianity or you don't. But there's a big difference between conservatism and, Christian, and, and, and a Christian. You can be a conservative, not a Christian. I know some. And I've been working on them really hard. You see? You know what else he did? He renovated the house of worship. You ever been around a community and dro driven around and looked at the landscape of all the, <coughs> the churches? Have you ever driven through an old part of town and given an honest evaluation? Kind of looks tired, a little bit aged. Never noticed that the uh, 
some of the churches, interstate churches, are being abandoned and run down and destroyed? Did you ever find any in the suburbs like that? Why? Good question. Because that's what churches need the most is inner cities. Isn't it? On the outskirts of town, we find new buildings, new architecture, new energy, new growth. That's great. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. But focus your attention on the church buildings with the same discerning eye, and you'll discover some of the same characteristics and some different ones. In any way, I guess all I'm saying is I think sometimes that we put more effort into our own houses than we do the house of God because it just isn't as important to us. Just saying. Asa also reunited the people. He gathered everyone together, and he knew the importance of building unity among the people. You've heard the old song which states, united we stand, divided we fall. It's true. But how can, how can Christians be united if we're, if we're so divided? You can't. And Satan has moved to the next level. Not only has he divided and put a wedge between believers and unbelievers, now he's putting wedges amongst believers. But unbelievers are all pretty much united. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? Yeah. So the split is moral right Christianity versus whatever I want. That's where it has to be. And now Satan's put the split in the morality. Because if we're not together, we're less powerful. And then Asa restored authentic worship. He turned people's hearts toward God and led them to offer the sacrifices of life to the Lord. Now, we don't offer animal sacrifices, but we can sacrifice here. It may be that you're not going to go bowling or play ball. It may be that your children are going to miss something that you want them to do and they want to do. It may be that you won't get a go on vacation that year. It may be a lot of different things. Friends, we don't know what sacrifice is anymore. We really don't. And we may sacrifice for our own benefit, but we likely aren't going to do it for God's. I'm just stating facts here. I'm not telling you you should go out and, and you, know, you know, bring self-sacrifice upon you. I'm not saying that. That didn't get you closer to God. But do what God has asked you to do. Seek him while he may be found. That's the key. Why? Because we are a country in need. Absolutely we are. A relationship with God through Jesus Christ is the only answer there is. It, it's just, that's it. I mean, you can see it. And I have only spoken, you know, however much time it is now. And we summed it up just like that. You can see it here. You can see it here. It's happening. It's the only thing that's going to heal our land. And the fact is, here's the prescription for the healing. Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. Friends, this is the only way that we're going to get healed. If God hears from heaven and forgives the sins of this nation, that's what's going to happen. And it means we have to admit and then repent of our sin, but we don't think we've done anything wrong. Again, we're, we're in that stage of justification. I'm making an excuse for what I've done. And now I think it's right. We, we've, we've moved to that. It's come to that. What does it mean to repent? Humble yourself before the Lord. 
recognize that he has more to say than you do about anything. Pray, seek, and turn from your wicked ways. This is the need of this nation. It's the need of every person because we are the nation. And it's got to have to start in the church. And this message isn't just for free life. This message is for anybody that will hear it. Because everything I've, everything I've said is biblical. Every bit of it. I was careful to see to it. Because opinions won't fly here. I've got them. Lord knows I've got a lot of them. But most of my opinions, I think, are in Scripture. And yours should be too. So discern them and see. If it's biblical, if it's godly, then you ought to believe it. And if it isn't, it doesn't matter what's popular. We're going to have to be a church that draws people with truth. I like doing events and doing cool things. I think we need to do them. But that's not what draws and keeps people. What does is truth. Unfortunately, today, um, we're finding that people will go to where the who's who are, or they'll go to, you know, for popularity, or they'll go for the worship, or they'll go for whatever. That's not the reason you choose churches. Go where you can get the word. Okay? Now, I realize... We may have to do outreach things that draw people. Uh, and one of the things we can do to draw people is uh, ask them. And then uh, I thought maybe something else like um, ask them. And then I thought perhaps we couldn't try maybe asking them. <laughs> you know, thought. Now, you may have to stay on them. You may have to stay on them. On them <laughs> and on them. And then we're going to have to do everything possible to draw them in and keep them. Okay? And the way to do that is with truth, I think. There's a lot of other things that people are drawn for, but listen, truth is the key. And I, I really do. I strive, friends. I put a lot of time. I think some things around our church, maybe that some pastors do well, I neglect. Because for me, the biggest thing is truth, truth, and truth. Help people understand what the Word of God says and why it says it, what it means in life, how to, how to promote it. That is the biggest thing that I spend time doing, is studying so I can bring truth when I have an opportunity. And I strive, and all my leaders will tell you, that I strive to be sure that any Bible study that we do, any small group, or excuse me, life group, right, Mandy, any, 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 any other teachers, whether it's Sunday school or it's a, you know, an, a, another pastor teaching it, or whatever, anything that we do. Its source has to be truth, 100%. And just because it's new doesn't mean it's good, okay? So that's my thing. That's the most important thing. And then when we have people in here and we get their undivided attention and messages, Sunday school, Bible studies, life groups, we'll be, we'll be able to show them where the true answers really lie. Because people come here, and I suppose they go other places too, and they say, I never knew that. I thought this was the truth my whole life, and now I find out, maybe not. That's because Satan has saw to it that we don't know what it is. And we've got to change it right now, today. If this nation is going to survive, we're, we're past the blessings, friends. <laughs> God's already withheld blessings. We need to get to a place where he doesn't destroy it because that's where we're at and it's going to happen one day and we're going to go I don't know where we went wrong 
but I do know when we're wrong. And I hope that we can turn it around, go the other direction, before nobody knows where it went wrong. Because that means that what we're doing is Satan's bidding, and that's commonplace, and we think that's right, and God's nowhere. And Yuri Gagarin would have been right. I don't want an alien to come to the earth and say, I saw God nowhere. I would rather they came and said, I saw God everywhere. Amen? Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.